Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Socially Distant, where we are officially funded by Big Poultry. I am your host, Alex Weber, and joining me from the back alley behind the Jackson Hole Diner in, in Queens, New York, is my good friend and co-host... Hi, I'm Richie Oliver. Don't listen to what he says. Big poultry is a myth. It's a myth. You can't go into it. If you keep going into it, you're going to get killed. All right, Richie, dude, what <laughs> yeah. is up, man? It's been a little bit. It has been a minute, you know. I uh, What did I do this last weekend? I celebrated my birthday. Yes. I'm now 24. Thank you. Uh, one year closer to the grave. Yeah, dude, one uh, year closer to the sweet embrace of death. Amen. Um, you're finally out of yeah. the phase where that Blink-182 song applies to you. Um, yep. So it's like, you got, you know, 21's a big year, because you mm-hmm. can legally get drunk. Yep. 22 is a cool year, because you got that Taylor Swift song. 23, yep. you got Blink-182, and then after that, the world just fucking doesn't care about you until, what, 40? 40's, well, I mean, 40's a big birthday. 25 is a good year, because what's what's funnier than 24? 25. 25. I like that. I like that. I'm I'm close so to 25. I'm close to 25. That's right. Man. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, what'd you do for your birthday, dude? Uh, so yeah, I uh, Friday night we went out for dinner. Uh, we got uh, outdoor seating at my fave uh, restaurant bar in the area, Boston Tavern. It's like my favorite place. Nice. Uh, which was great. I um, uh, I got pretty hammered. Hell yeah! So with my parents, which was nice. What'd you then, uh, What'd you have for your your birthday dinner? Ooh, I had the best plate of. Uh, my favorite thing there is I'm gonna sound like a five year old, but okay. they're chicken tenders. Okay, you know what? Here's like, the thing. Yeah. Like, chicken tenders are usually set aside for the kids' menu. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, because like no. you think about it, chicken cutlets are just big chicken tenders. Yeah. And if you you mix them up right, then you know it's good to go. So who cares? Um, exactly. You just got to be you just got to be careful especially with a uh, um newer uh like chicken breasts. Uh some companies cut corners and use a silicon which isn't really something that uh you should be ingesting. Yeah, but, and uh, I know <laughs> when you when you ho- heat that cuz you have to you obviously have to cook chicken to the right temperature. Yeah. Once you hit that threshold, the silicon just starts to break down and Yeah. I don't think any of us really want that in our chicken. Nah, it's really implanted in my brain that I yeah, don't want that. Yeah, you know, it's just the way it is. No, but, but so, yeah, I, that's about it? Yeah, I had a nice chill birthday, um, great chill weekend. That was pretty much it. I, I did nothing. Nice. Always appreciate nice. that. How about you, sir? What, how was your uh, your weekend? My weekend was pretty good. I uh, I went back down to Connecticut. Usually my nice. two-week schedule. This time was a little different. You know, had to do a lot helping out my mom. Uh, again, my grandmother passed away two weeks ago today, I believe. So um, helping out, clean out her house, get everything kind of in order. Mm-hmm. Uh, was scanning a bunch of old photos of her for whenever we do do a service for, which I think we might do something small at the end of the month. My mom wants to do a nice little slideshow with some music. So I was scanning a lot oh, of old nice. photos, which... I don't know about you, I don't know, like, what your family has in terms of, like, old family photos. We have a ton. Like Me too. Oh, us too. Like, we have photos of my mom's side of the family from, like, the 20s, the 30s. Oh, okay. All through, you know, the 80s until, like, the 90s when I was born. 
So a lot of these were kind of more like contemporary pictures, maybe like 60s, 70s, 80s. But I spent over an hour last night just digging through folders of photos from like the 30s. Oh, wow. And it's so cool because these are just like little moments that happened in the 1930s. And just to sort of see, you know, what life was like then is really cool. Um, and with that, on Saturday, maybe it was Sunday, actually, we, um, all of my mom's side of the family is, they're all buried in Stratford, Connecticut, between, like, two cemeteries. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to go find, you know, some other relatives um, at these cemeteries. I got to go see my great-aunt, where my great-aunt is interned. Uh, mm-hmm. As you know, I was very close to my great aunt. She's the one that I have the portrait of in my apartment. I've mm-hmm. never been to where her ashes were interned until this past weekend. So that was like a really nice oh, wow. thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. But also, Stratford, Connecticut's really close to Bridgeport, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother grew up in a house in Bridgeport, Connecticut that my second great-grandmother had built. She didn't build it herself, but she had it built. Uh, oh, wow. In like 1919, 1920, or like mm-hmm. 1917 maybe. And it's still there. It's a two-family house, uh, so it takes up two, you know, addresses. But we mm-hmm. got to drive by it, and I've never seen it in person before. And so, like, we drove down to Bridgeport. We saw the house. Um, the old Remington Arms factory, Remington, which is the, the gun manufacturer, was yeah. based in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And they have this massive factory. It's all, part of it's torn down, but my grandfather worked there. My grandmother worked there. My mom worked there. Everyone in mm-hmm. my family worked at Remington Arms because it was right there. So I got to see some of that. Got to see the house that my grandmother was like grew up in. My Another part of my family, they had a house built, you know, right around the corner. So like, I got to see the houses that like my grandparents and like great-grandparents were living in back in the early 20th century, which was super, super cool. Oh, um, wow. But so That's other awesome. than that, just sort of chilling out, hanging. Uh, we had this storm yesterday. Yes, good old which, uh, tropical storm Isaias. So, I mean, came through. that was crazy. I don't know. Did you guys get a lot? I know. I think it, Massachusetts might get a little bit more tonight. I think that's the thing. Uh, yeah, I we could... got a lot of wind. We got a lot of wind, uh, a lot of debris. Uh that's pretty much it uh, either. And then whatever happened last night, I was asleep for. So yes. I'm a really heavy sleeper. So, Dude, I, so I miss a lot. Not last night, but the night before. We kind of got mm-hmm. like a little bit of a thunderstorm at like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. My mom was clocked out. She had no idea that it, there was a storm. And like we lost power for a minute too because I was mm-hmm. awake. But yesterday, dude, we got some wind. And my mom and I, we love storms like that. Mm-hmm. So we had like lawn chairs out in the garage. We're watching the wind, and then I was standing out on the deck, just like standing in this fucking crazy wind. And mm-hmm. Newtown is currently like eighty percent of the entire town is without power. They don't estimate to have power back for another like five days. Oh wow! So my goodness, on like the main route that my roads off of, there's just trees hanging over the fucking street. That I had to drive under, like, trees on wires just hanging over the street. So, pretty crazy. Uh, But, yeah, left this morning. I'm currently posted up in Queens, New York for a couple days before heading back to Boston. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, pretty interesting, you know, weekend. 
super weird. Just time at this point is really just melding together. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's been my my thing. But speaking of things, Richie, mm-hmm. we got s- another thing going on right now. We do. That's a little yes. bit different than normal, but not recently because this has been sort of the new normal, dare I mm-hmm. say. We, once again, we have another presence with us. We do. And this this is a cool this is a cool presence. Like sometimes you feel a presence and you're like, oh, is this like a, a negative spirit, a negative energy? This mm-hmm. is like the Casper the Friendly Ghost of presences. <laughs> so Richie, yes. if you could um <laughs> turn on your ghost spectrometer or whatever the hell it's called and tell me what your what kind of energy you're getting right now, that would be awesome. Oh yeah. So uh we have a very special guest joining us uh tonight on Socially Distant. Um, we have joining us Michael Kent. Michael Kent is a comedy magician um, and who has been traveling and touring. Uh, he plays he plays Snoo all the time, which yes. is I love. And I never get tired of his act. I love it so much. He has appeared on Penn and Teller Fool Us, which is awesome, on national TV, which is awesome. Mm. Um, and, yeah, he's just an all-around really fun guy. Uh, I got to spend, like, a day with him as, like, a handler type deal. <laughs> Which was which was fun. It was it was a very like Brian Wilson eighties yeah. moment there. But <laughs> don't eat that. Don't no, no. You can't salt levels. No, but yeah, we had we had a blast. Um, and I got to hang out with him for a little bit. Um, so uh, I'd like to introduce Michael Kent. Michael, how you doing? I'm I'm good. That was the weirdest intro I've ever had in my life. <laughs> We like to do I, things a little bit differently on social media. Are we able to go back to the chicken and the silicone? What was what was that about? I was just trying to make a really bad joke about uh, breast implants. Yeah, I mean, I got that, breast. but yeah. leading into it, I was freaking out. I was like about to go check all the ingredients and my chicken in my fridge. I'm like, is there really? <laughs> well, <laughs> so here's how does this guy know it? Where was it? Where does he work? Here's the thing. I mentioned big poultry and big chicken because I know that chickens and chicken is a part of your act, and so it that is. was that was planned. <laughs> it is a part of it is a part of my act. Well, it was when I had an act. Um, honestly, with I don't even do the chicken trick. I haven't done it since February yeah. because I haven't performed on a stage, and you know I perform virtually now and. The chicken is just weird when I'm in my basement by myself. Uh, it's the chicken trick for, for the, those listening. You can find it on YouTube. Well, you used to be able to find it on YouTube. Yes, we'll oh, get yeah. into that later. We've got some new news. Um, the the chicken trick is is a bit where I make someone from the audience stick their hand inside of a raw chicken and retrieve an egg which is cracked, and then their twenty dollar bill with their signature is inside the egg that was inside the raw chicken. And it's a whole bit. It involves a rubber chicken and a thing, and it's like ten minutes long. And it's a whole. It's really difficult mm-hmm. to describe because it's super weird. And I've been doing it for sixteen years. The same trick. I mean, I've done it literally thousands of times, and it's become my calling card. I never asked for it to be, <laughs> but now it is. Fun fact: Whenever you play at Snoo, I'm the chicken. <laughs> I'm kidding. You just you stage. Yeah, reaching the chicken. He's. It's a plant. It's a setup. And <laughs> what we do is we. It's we. It, they don't call it yellow face. It's not like a. It's not. Oh, it's man. a. It's a. It's a. It's racially insensitive to paint him yellow. So we yeah. just put. What we do is we put one of those invisible man type outfits. The spandex yellow. <laughs> 
And then if you add a little red thing to the top of it, he looks remarkably like a chicken. Yeah. So we just do that. Richie naturally has feathers as it is. So Yeah. Yeah, They they just tar and feather me on stage. I just do a live tar and feather. And then I'm paraded around Snoo on uh, on, like the the piece of wood that's the point. I have to ask, is this the podcast normally? Is it normally (laughs) this? Oh, yeah, it's yeah. just, uh, we get... Shit gets real weird on here, Michael, let me I, tell you. I'm not going to say yeah. I don't like it. I just wanted to make sure that this was par for the course. No, yeah. Oh, no, we, yeah. Uh, we just... First you're talking about chickens, then I'm apparently a ghost, and then <laughs> and then I'm Brian Wilson? Or was I Brian Wilson's handler? I wasn't sure who I was, I was in that Brian analogy. I was Brian Wilson's handler. You were Brian Wilson. <laughs> well, that's weird, too, because that's... Yeah, that's even weirder. ...really not a fair comparison. Oh, no, like, not maybe early Brian Wilson... Not yeah. middle Brian Wilson or late Brian Wilson. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. regardless, you have pet sounds. So. Well, there are many pet sounds. And in fact, you may hear them during the podcast if my dogs don't uh, <laughs> behave themselves. This is the same dog they used on pet sounds. <laughs> it is the same dog. Very old dog. He's still um, immortal, some would say. Uh, somehow escaped the train sounds and yeah. Oh, yeah. ended up here. <laughs> So, awesome. so Michael, how has uh, doing magic in your act? How I I know you've been doing some virtual shows, but how basically has that changed because of uh, COVID? How has that act changed for you? You know, it's weird. I'm doing more magic, like more actual magic, because my show is a comedy show, and it's I like to say it's like fifty fifty comedy magic, mm-hmm. but it's more writing than anything. Like the actual craft is more writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe like the craft is travel and, and marketing and writing. But since I'm now just performing for a camera, comedy is much more difficult virtually. There's no immediate feedback. And I'm still doing comedy magic, but I've had to change everything I do in the show. So the beats are quicker. It's much more segmented. And where in an hour show, I'm used to doing maybe seven tricks in an hour. Mm-hmm. My virtual show is closer to 13. Ooh, it's like wow. almost Double, twice yeah. the number of, of magic tricks because there are two-minute segments yeah. where it's just like, hey, here's something neat. And it's very fast-moving because that's the virtual world, right? Like we're, That's what mm-hmm. we're used to seeing is, you know, here's something close up. Here's Now I'm going to zoom the camera out, and we're going to do something where I'm standing against the backdrop. And now... You know, we're going to do a thing where it's interactive and you're touching the screen and now it's 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 changing all the time. Yeah. So I actually think that it's it's sort of strengthened my bond or relationship or whatever Mm. with the art, which is kind of cool because I do constantly fall in and out of love with magic. Uh, Like I sometimes just get burned out from it's it's a hobby that I turned into a career. So. Any hobby you turn into a career, there's going to be days where you're like, I just don't want to read another article or listen to another magic podcast or, you know, I just I want to sort of leave work at work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm in a period right now where I'm learning a ton of magic, both but from the virtual show and because I'm doing this weekly live stream where it's called Joke Story Trick. And at the end of each week, at the end of each show, I do a new trick. So I literally can't do anything I've done before on any of the other episodes and we're getting to the point now where I'm either having to go way back into the books in my library or just find new stuff that I've never done before Mm. which is what I did for this last for for uh yesterday's show is like I 
did something that I worked on for about two weeks and put it in, performed it for the first time live last night. That's awesome. That's and awesome. one thing that's interesting, that's and I, f- I feel like we've, we've touched on this with speaking with other creatives. And I know I could feel this personally, but this whole Corona quarantine thing, despite the fact that it absolutely sucks and has totally thrown everyone for a loop, I feel like it's been kind of like a kick that's forced people to really like, all right, well, now I have to completely revitalize and rechange everything. You're not kidding. And it, it you, has been. You learn a lot more doing that because now you're so limited. And if you're used to, you know, performing in front of an audience or doing different things, now you're kind of in this box and you're like, how do I make myself fill this whole box? So I've that's really interesting. For, for anyone who is a creative, putting constraints on it makes you more creative it's it's counterintuitive but like once you say here's what i can't do you start coming up with really uh interesting and new ways to figure out what you can do Mm. so like i had i had this studio here in my basement like because i had just done some like youtube videos it wasn't nearly as nice it is as it is now um so I've sunk a ton of money into it this year because this has become my job now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I sort of owe it. Just like I would spend money on flights or spend money on, you know, whatever it might be. This year I'm spending money on this, on gear. Mm. And I've had to learn so much, not only hardware, but software and how to talk to a camera, like how, how that relationship works. It's very different than what I'm used to. And the first few weeks, okay, so like the first three days of this, it was March 11th, 12th, and 13th. Yeah. I lost multiple tens of thousands of dollars in gigs oh, from wow. everyone canceling because yeah. everyone was panicked. And mm-hmm. of course, you know, they had they had to. That's what, they, they were sort of ahead of the curve by doing that. Yeah, for sure. Um, everything canceled all the way through my whole year, my whole fall and everything. And I panicked. I literally drank myself to sleep three nights in a row. I went through in, in the next two weeks, I went through, I think, three bottles of bourbon. Um, it was not healthy. It wasn't good. Finally, my wife like said something to me about it. And I was working on, during that time, but I was also very panicky. Mm. And I, I started working through the days, through the nights. Like, seriously, I was probably working a few like 14, 16-hour days down wow. here. Um, not only setting up the studio, but like... I'd set it up and then I'd completely take it apart and reset it up. And then I'd, you know, practice a few routines and and figure out what works and what doesn't work. And I was booking these virtual shows and, and didn't know what the virtual show was. And I just realized like I was working my butt off. And I said to another friend of mine, who's another entertainer, I was like, I thought that I was working hard before the pandemic. Like I would have told you that I was exhausted and working my butt off before the pandemic. What was I doing? Cause this feels like really hard work. Was I just coasting then? There's this whole like, <laughs> it's like, it's all relative, you know? Like I, I thought that was hard work, but it wasn't. And as a result now I'm like, well, I have more in me. I have, I had a, another gear that I didn't know I could get to that if I need to, you know, I don't need to sleep tonight. If I know that I have to put together a new show for tomorrow, I can, I can do that. Yeah. So. And that's super interesting because, Richie, you you know this. Uh, like, last month, I hit this weird wavelength of, like, pure creative energy and just drive. And I was, like, brainstorming new things for shit to do, doing some new art, 
trying to figure out some other stuff. I lost my job that I just started in March. I got furloughed twice and then laid off. So it's like, now I got to figure out what's next. was thinking about revamping my freelance kind of thing, which I'm still kind of in the process of. And for like a two-week period, I hit that that right little slot of I would wake up at 9 and I would be going full force until 5 a.m. the next day. Even if I'm like playing bass, playing guitar, making videos, working on photography, other art stuff. But it was like, I do not care that I am awake on my computer working on stuff until 5 a.m. Just because I'm in that zone. And I learned so much about myself and about the kind of stuff that I want to be doing. My work process, what works for me, what doesn't. In that two-week period. And I was hardly sleeping. So... Yeah, like not not a great time, you know, health-wise. I wasn't really eating at the same time, too, but I learned so much that I'm like, I can forego all of this because this was a great experience for me, like, as a person, as an artist. Yeah, it's it, it is it's liberating, but at the same time, I think it's also important, uh, at least speaking for myself, I can't speak for you, but to keep myself in check to make sure that I'm not medicating myself with work. Yes, uh, because that is is something that I tend to do is like if I'm bummed, I will bury my head in the sand, whether it be in w- you know whatever distraction it might be. Like I will just say, OK, I'm going to shut the world off and I'm going to do that by working hard. Yeah. And the end result might be that I get some cool shit done. Like, I, you know, that that might be the end result. But during the meantime, I'm really not living. And I think especially during this pandemic. Like, we have to, like, look out for our mental health because this oh, is yeah. a oh, traumatic yeah. thing. It's, 100%. it's traumatic. Even even the people who are handling this really well, like, this is something that they're going to read about in history books and be like, it's, this was a really tough time for people. You yeah. know, 150,000 people died in a period of four months. Like, they're going to, it's, it's traumatic. Yeah, and just, I mean, like, the whole thing, like, being... I know for me, I, I know it's different for Richie, different for you because you're married and you live with your wife. Richie, you live with your pe- family. I am in a 200 square foot studio apartment by myself. Wait, did you say 200 square foot? 200 square foot. My bedroom in my parents' house is 200 square feet. Wow. My entire apartment is that. So like the isolation aspect of that, Yeah. you know, on, a, on top of the fact that the whole thing is a clusterfuck, um... Just yeah. having that isolation was a lot. And at first, it really was not great. And my mental health definitely took a dip for that. But once I got used to it and thought, like, okay, well, how can I use this, maybe this situation, to work on something and try to learn what worked for me, I was able to kind of get more used to it. But at first, because, you know, I'd be going into the office, you know, working, you know, eight, eight and a half hours a day and then coming back, that was like a normal schedule. But to be then in my apartment and really not being able to leave and not wanting to leave all day for multiple days, it was like, I've never really experienced this before in my entire life. And it was it was a lot. Yeah, and it's it's nuts, man. And, you know, it's a good thing that you have an Internet connection and you oh have the God, ability yeah. to like do this to to, you know, communicate and, and to reach out and, and to still create content. Because like one thing um a friend of mine was talking about was the 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 gap in like the inequality 
yeah. that this pandemic has sort of exposed, uh, especially in, in school children who now have to have an internet connection in order mm. to learn, and, yeah. and many of them don't. Uh, or many of them, the only reason they were eating was because they were going to school, and now they don't have that. Like, there's a lot of... This is what I do to... This is, again, this is me self-medicating on other people's woes. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> it could always be worse. Yeah, but I do try to sure. think about, like, the privilege that I have by having the space that I have, having the internet, having the clean water, like the, you know, the, the stuff that I have that's allowed me to have my level of suck, which yeah. is not as bad as other people's level of suck. That's a great point because it's like, yeah, okay, I'm stuck inside my 200 square foot studio apartment. At least I have a 200 yeah. square foot studio apartment. At least I had food. I had wine, you know, I had whatever I needed. But, you know, and that's was kind of a suck for me but compared to yeah. other people that's like the dream compared to their level of suck so it is a great perspective piece to think it's like okay this is terrible and this could be traumatic for me but think about you know what this is like for other people who are less well, fortunate I, I did this to myself yesterday so i woke up checked my email and i had a uh, a notice from youtube that my channel had been suspended yes for no reason I mean, it said, you know, for, for violating community guidelines, that's as much reason as I got. And it was a huge blow because that's 14 years of content. It's just over a hundred videos of all me performing around the world. Now I've got a lot of those videos on hard drives yeah. around, but those videos had, you know, that channel had 3,800 subscribers. It had thousands and thousands of content of, or excuse me, of comments. It had millions of views you know and that you don't get back and immediately after i posted about it i saw the beirut thing happen yeah the this this mm -hmm. giant explosion in beirut and i was like okay well my problems i like i just had a youtube channel and now i don't yeah you know and it sort of put things in perspective and when i said that people who were like fans of mine got mad at me like they were like no you should be angry. Like, yeah. sure, that sucks too, but you shouldn't downplay what's happening to you right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've been sort of, that's what I do. I look at, you know, like, well, things could be worse, but this also really sucks. Yeah, and again, it's, uh, it's um, you know, your situation is entirely in your bubble. And then, you know, larger global issues like the Beirut explosion, that's in a very larger bubble. So... Yeah. They both have weight and they both have their own level of suck. It's just the you know, the perception and closeness to you. So they're both valid. Um but I think the fact that you were able to be like, Yes, okay, this just happened and I had, you know, years of content put into this, the fact that you were able to be like, Okay, let me rationalize this a little bit and that it could be worse, you know, globally. Yeah. I think that definitely, you know, speaks a lot to your character because a lot of people I feel in that situation would be very, I don't want to say closed off, but like they would be wrapped up in that and not get outside of their bubble. Um, yeah, I, it's hard. I, it's it's really hard where, where a spot where I'm at right now because I am in a spot where it it is going to affect me like and my career. Yeah, it is. But at the same time, my way of thinking about things is like, okay, accept it, make a list on paper of what I need to do right now, put my feet in front of each other, and just keep 
creating and keep moving forward and do what I can't like what's in my control. And it's been it's been really difficult, man. I've been bummed. Uh, this is this is only something that happened yesterday. Mm. And um, I've done everything I can. I've had some great people who have influence in that world um, call me on the phone and say they're trying to help me. And that's awesome. But it really feels like it's out of my hands right now. And I think that's important to to know because there is so much right now that's like I can't do shit about. Yeah, I try to deal with what I can, you and know. Especially working with like YouTube and their whole algorithm thing and yeah, anything in this thing. world, it's, man. It's not it's not actual people making the decision. It's our robot overlords, right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> Do you need to check on your bread? Don't you have so bread? I was about or something? To, I was about to say. So we're at that time where I have to go put out some focaccia dough for an hour. Um, so we can either do one of three things at this juncture in time. I can either open the floor up to you and Richie and you guys just keep going and then I check back in. We could all take a five minute pause, stay recording, and then I'll just cut this out later. Or if you would like to continue on some conversation talking about the world and how things are going, I can have a stand-in host for me as I am with a friend right now. Um, so whatever's up to you guys. Um, what do you think, Richie? You know what? Let's see that friend. Let's you want to uh, see? You want to get the stand-in? I friend, feel like yeah. that that makes this interesting. Uh, all right. So, in an unprecedented wait, first of all, is this a human friend? Should we should we ask? <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> it's just it is his dog Apollo just sitting there. <laughs> it is. A, it is a human friend. It is not it's a like robot overlord. Animal. This is my friend Elena. <laughs> Um, Hi, Elena. Hi, Elena. I'm hanging out with her out in Queens, New York. So for the next five minutes, five, ten minutes, I'm going to give her the mic. I'll give her the headphones. And then, you know, if you guys just want to talk about whatever, uh, sure, we could do that. And then I will be back after I have my focaccia nice okay. out in the pan. And, uh, and what we'll be doing while you're gone is making fun of what you're doing. Yes. Oh, yeah, no, please. <laughs> the fact that I'm making focaccia right now is just the ultimate hipster douchebag. I'm drinking red wine while I'm doing Are it. Are you this sure? Is, yeah, you're in is, Brooklyn. Is that what you said? I'm in Queens right now. I'm so sorry, you said you're in worse. Brooklyn? Not quite Not quite Brooklyn. <laughs> this is, sounds like a very Brooklyn attitude. It's very It's very Williamsburg. I've spent <laughs> I have gotta go get my focaccia. I live in Brooklyn. Hey, I gotta, I gotta get, my, get focaccia. my focaccia, you know? I gotta hey. get my focaccia. My neighborhood is not very Williamsburg. No, my... My actions of making focaccia from scratch oh, while drinking yeah. red wine oh, is very Williamsburg. Hey, uh, I gotta go talk to Jimmy Keish. He's got my focaccia in the oven. Hey, Jimmy Keish. So, actually, my friend, unlike me, is actually Italian. So, she could probably speak on the Italian stereotypes that I break into a lot better <laughs> than I can. So, I'm going to hand the mic over. I'm going to hand the mic over to my good friend, <laughs> Elena Conti. And then, yeah, I will be back in five minutes and we could talk more about. Michael Kent, I can... Michael, actually, really quick before I go, I've actually shot one of your shows at SNU. I, I know. That. Uh, yeah. Your photos are still on my Flickr account. Ooh, Flickr's a um, name I haven't heard in a long and time. I, yeah. I, when, when, uh, when Richie said your name, that, I was like, Alex Weber, Alex Weber, how do I know it? And it's because you shot that show that I, that I remember your name. Yes, so... Because you're, I think I credited you, which is cool. We always love some good credit over here. So yeah. <laughs> I will be right back. I'm going to go stretch out some dough. Hopefully everything's looking pretty good over in the kitchen. So with that said, I'm going to turn everything over to my good friend, Alina Conti. And y'all can just have at it. So give a good socially distant welcome to my good friend, Elena. So 
you know what's what's going to be interesting about this mm-hmm. is that uh, Alex Alex was wearing headphones the entire time, so Elena has no idea like what we've talked about, who I am. Oh, no. yeah. uh, I was not that even makes in the this, room. I didn't even hear yeah, his end. <laughs> yeah, you just hear like him talking about chicken, and it makes <laughs> yeah. no sense. There's no frame of reference. Uh, so what yeah. we were just talking about, though, <laughs> actually, is... don't even say it. Just what are your thoughts? What are what <laughs> what what are your thoughts on it? Huh? What do you what do you think about? What do you think <laughs> about that? Focaccia. What do you think I about? Think it's great. <laughs> That's the perfect interview question. I want to do every interview. Just what do you think about? What do you think about? <laughs> just <laughs> how does that make you feel? <laughs> just turn it to therapy. I love it. Is <laughs> that that is that is therapy? Yeah, I feel like that first part of the conversation we had was a little bit of a Debbie Downer. I didn't mean to yeah. like, you know, mm-hmm. there's like serious shit going on in the world. And it's like yeah. impossible to talk about the good without talking about the situation that we're in. That's like sort of the catalyst for that for that stuff. Exactly. Especially with what happened over in uh, Lebanon, too, yesterday. That was. That As was the president crazy. says, it was an attack. He claims it was an attack. Apparently, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it was zero it, evidence of that. Wait, are we talking about the explosion, or are we talking about something else? Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we've uh, moved on from. Fo- uh, we're not talking about exploding focaccia bread. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. Oh man, but um, yeah, my brother actually, my younger brother, um, he so his girlfriend uh, actually is right now living in Dubai. Um, mm. She just went back to visit her parents. Her parents are professors over in Dubai. Um, and lives there, and their friend's brother was actually um, in Beirut when wow. that happened yesterday. He he he's okay. Um, the building that he was in uh, did not become structurally sound. I don't think it fully collapsed, but it was not safe to be yeah. in anymore. It's, and he got it looked out of like there. most of the buildings were like that. They were like still standing, <clears throat> but not good. Yeah. It was really interesting. Um, I I was in uh, I I was in uh, Bahrain. And I really wish that I would have gone to Dubai when I was in. I, I did a show in Bahrain. And that's as close to the Middle East as I've been. But mm-hmm. culturally, things are so different there that you're already a little bit on edge. It's just You're just such a fish out of water in that world as a Westerner. Um, there were places in the street where like college students had demonstrated against Americans. And you know, you're being driven through this, and you see it, and it's like it doesn't make you feel good. So, like, I can't imagine being there. Actually, there's a, there's a really good show on Disney Plus called um, Rogue Trip. And it's a war journalist, Bob Woodward, I think is his name. Woodruff? Bob Woodruff? Bob Woodruff? Mm-hmm. I think Woodward. Is that right? I don't know. Anyway, he's he's uh, been to all these places that are, like, war-torn. And then he goes there during the show. It's like a travel show where he goes back to these places with his adult son to show his adult son these places. Oh, wow. And one of the places they go to is Beirut. And while they're there, there's a, a like an attack drone that crashes in downtown. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. And other than that, Beirut's like fairly peaceful, you know, during that time. And so the show's not about war. It's, it's about the opposite of that, like them going to these places when there's not war going on. And the crazy part is like his son wants to have nothing to do with this drone like going to see what happened and the journalist in the dad like kicks in and he has to go and see it and he gets in a cab and he goes to it 
and because he's got connections from when he was a journalist, he gets in the building, he's taking photos and asking, oh, wow. he's interviewing strangers. It was cra- and I just watched this like last weekend. Uh, so to see something crazy like that, I can't imagine what that would have been like if you were there. But how did only like 100 people die or something, right? Yeah, it was, I, I'm not sure if that, if what, or people were in that building when it went off or something like that because um and, and plus i think the toll is still coming out because they still have to deal with all the rubble going on right yeah. now so it's, yeah, it's going it to be another right. haiti situation where the numbers you're just going to keep adding up and adding up as the days go on uh yeah. elena what was the last uh, uh uh big thing that happened to you war when was the last time you were in a war talk <laughs> that's so mean have you have I'm you traveled sorry. to the middle east recently i have not yes. <laughs> no? i have barely left my apartment that i just moved into oh, yeah. <laughs> wait is there a microphone you should be talking into oh you, why you can't hear me oh uh, no i couldn't <laughs> sorry i know <couldn't. laughs> you're good i didn't even see it, it. Yeah. i thought you were just like across the room from it just yeah. like talking. okay sorry <laughs> no, it's yeah here. so you said you it's can here. leave your apartment no i've i've been like barely going i mean a little bit um oh, yeah. you know i mean i'm in new york city uh and you know mm-hmm. don't bring queens yeah, hey, no, I love yeah. Queens. no, I just moved to like Astoria Heights in Queens. Um, and Ooh, Astoria Heights, Astoria Heights, yeah. <laughs> I could also call it East Elmhurst, but Astoria Heights sounds cooler. That's um, that's near the airport, right? It is, yeah, it's near the airport. I see airplanes all the time out my window. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> when I saw, I'm like the the most Midwestern, not New York guy ever. Uh, <laughs> so whenever I do work in New York City, I just stay in like right near the airport like i just get like the closest hotel (laughs) to the airport that i can because for someone who's not from new york travel is like a huge nuisance for me like because i just i don't understand it i don't understand how people do it every day i understand that like when you live there it's a much different thing like the public transit yeah but like i'm going around with like cases of gear so i never really take i never really take any sort of public transit unfortunately um because it's just embarrassing to go down <laughs> the steps of like you know the subway You'd be surprised the uh, shit that with yeah with like, I'm like wheeling like <laughs> hey, hey hold the door you know i'm not Full that's not who i am stuff, so <laughs> i just have to pay for a car for everything and last you know the last however many six seven years it's been easier with uber uh, but even so i still like i get like a super cheap laguardia hotel <laughs> and I don't leave my room <laughs> and I just completely I, I, that's that's what I do because I'm old now you guys are talking about you guys are talking about 25 you know being yeah old. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna turn 42 in January and Ooh. there's absolutely nothing special about that well if you're a hitchhiker's guide guy there's you know it's that but yeah <laughs> other than that you know 42 yeah. is no different than 38 it's just <laughs> more health issues He's Elena, back. real quick, do you know who Michael Kent is? Because I feel like we just popped you in. Not really. I mean, it's great to meet you. Uh, <laughs> hey, Michael. But no, I haven't you... heard any of this conversation. Hey, so. Michael, how about you give Elena like a 30 second <laughs> elevator pitch on who you are? All right. And see if she so, likes you. <laughs> so, have you seen the movie Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. Okay. That has nothing to do with me. I just was curious. <laughs> that I'm a magician, I, I do magic shows for a living i'm a comedian and magician and i mostly perform uh, college tours so i go around the world and i perform in colleges i also do military bases and uh since since my last show was on february 21st my last in-person show so now i make my living in my basement 
doing magic shows for a camera. So that's that's me. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, this is Michael. He's going to talk about stuff. And I'm like, you don't even know who he is. No, I don't yeah, know what I, Elena I, does either. It didn't really matter for the conversation. Right. We were just chatting, you know. <laughs> Elena, what do you do? <laughs> um, I, uh, I'm the manager of an illustration agency, actually. An illustration agency? Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah. Okay, cool. That's what I do. So do you manage artists like Alex? Uh, no, not exactly like him. Uh, <laughs> You're leaving it very mysterious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very mysterious. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, do you, if you, I mean, you know what illustration is? I mean, generally speaking, it's just art for a commercial purpose. Mm -hmm. um, well, illustration for, for what? Um, tons of things. I mean, like advertisements, uh, editorial stuff, um, you know, book illustration, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and the agency I work for is Richard Solomon. Uh, he's pretty well known. He's been doing it for like 40 years. Um, I've just been working him for him for like two years. Um, yeah, and it's it's a pretty good gig. It's fun. I love art. Um, I went to school for illustration uh, and then just went right into this. And yeah, and I get to work uh, from home in my pajamas as well now. So that's a win. And what, what's the <laughs> furthest from home that you've traveled, Elena? Uh, that's a good <laughs> What's the furthest I've traveled from home? <laughs> I guess to Boston to see you. That's probably the furthest I've gone. Yeah. Me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, remember you're, that you're talking time since quarantine, right? Not like in my whole life. <laughs> no, I mean no, in like your, your whole, whole life. life. Oh, yeah. remember that time you were drugged and you woke up in the back alley? Sorry, in Tijuana? That was fun, question. right? I was like, <laughs> Boston's not all that no, far not. from um, Queens. But no, I, I don't think I. I mean, I've always lived in New York. I, I don't. I have not ever left the U.S. other than when I went to Canada, um, and that even wasn't far. It was only in Niagara Falls. So, like, the furthest I guess I've been is California. California. Um, California. What about you, Richie? Uh, uh, Mexico. Uh, Mexico. I did Mexico uh, a lot, about, damn, 11 years ago now, my family. You know what's crazy? Uh, I went to Mexico on spring break, break once. Uh, oh, yeah. when I, was, I did, like, the crazy college spring break. That Cabo, they, yeah. Yeah, like, the ones with, like, in, that they do in the movies or, you know, like, MTV spring break. Like, I did this that. This is my song. It was South Padre, Texas, and then it's, like, <laughs> 30 minutes from the border. Mm -hmm. So we would just go to Mexico for lunch sometimes. And... It was cool, but the city where we crossed over, Matamoros, you can't even go there anymore because of the violence. Oh wow! They yeah. they shut that crossing down for a while, but now they don't even advise advise like American tourists to go into that city because there are literally like people being abducted and like beheaded and shit. It's crazy. Yeah, I remember when I was in Mexico, we had a taxi from the airport to our uh, resort, and the taxi driver told us um, we had the windows down because it was hot and he said don't put your hands or don't let your hands or any fingers with rings dangle out the window because he's had people just run up with machetes and just legit chop your fingers gone to get oh, your shit. ring like it's something that what? happens yeah it's something that happens and so the whole time I was just kind of like scared like this just in the van like nobody touched me I'm nobody picturing... look at me I'm picturing this ring thief going home, and he's just like a bucket, and then he like puts the he grabs the rings and just throws the fingers into the bucket. Oh man, 
<laughs> and then he sells the bucket to I don't even know who it maybe fingers. a restaurant. Hot fingers. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they, make it, they pose it as chicken. I don't know what happens after that. Yeah. Elena's like signaling Alex to come back. To, like, save me, save me. I'm going to let him come back to his own podcast, you know? So Thank anyway, you, Elena. there's a Thank bucket you so of fingers. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about buckets of fingers. Ooh, my, my favorite ride at the uh, at the county fair is bucket of fingers, actually. <laughs> also, go go check that. Go peep my, go peep my focaccia. Go in the kitchen and look at my focaccia. It looks beautiful. Please, my, my focaccia, please. my focaccia looks fantastic. That's so good. Let's just Dude, jump. I, I got the I got the same compliment uh, on one of my Tinder dates. So that was <laughs> oh that was God. pretty fun too. Oh so let's let's just jump back into it. I hope the last ten minutes have just been filled with Alex Weber slander. Um, yeah. No, actually, we, we didn't we didn't bring you up because we were too busy talking about uh, fingers. Yeah, we were talking about uh, the farthest we've been from home, and uh, we were talking about Mexico, and we were talking about violence, and one of the things was um, uh, when our in our taxi from the airport to the our resort, the taxi driver told us not to have our fingers outside the window, because Ooh. people in machetes would just come up and hack off your fingers for your rings or whatever you were wearing. Was that you, Richie, like that, that you experienced that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. When so did you, I was in a taxi you, like this. When did you go to Mexico? 2009 Ooh, okay. I was I was 12 and that's honestly, like a traumatic that's a really traumatic thing to tell a 12 year old yeah, yeah. 12 year old someone could chop your fingers off if you're not careful you're like oh that's okay like, like that's maybe just rhyme. something like he was like well I'm, I get sick of them the kids putting yeah. the windows down so I'm gonna tell him <laughs> I don't know why this Mexican guy has a, a New York accent Brooklyn accent yeah. <laughs> hey your fingers are getting a fucking cut off guy yeah he used to he used to drive a cab in, in New York where he learned that he likes the windows up because it's so cold. And then he goes to Mexico and when these kids put the windows down, he gets mad, so he just lies to him and says, Hey, if you put that window down, the strangers are gonna cut your fingers off. Oh my god. It also sounds like this weird just like German parable that like Yeah, German, German, yeah. <laughs> do not do not stick your fingers out the windows, a man with a knife will come and chop them. It's like off. uh it's, it's like the arrested development when he's got his buddy without the arm. Did you ever, did you ever oh, yeah. And that's why you never open the window. <laughs> yeah. It's a very sharp knife. He cut it clean off. So, Richie, really quick. Yeah. Um, just a quick housekeeping thing. Do you have some pod decks for us in a couple of minutes? I do, yeah. I had, okay. I pulled some questions. Cool. So that's going to be... I'm really excited to do some pod decks with Michael. But, Michael, really quick, let's just jump into this question. I think I might already know the answer. What is the thing that you miss most about performing live right now? And in a, not live in a sense of in front of a physical audience. I bet okay. it's the applause breaks, huh? I'm, <laughs> I'm intensely curious about what you think my answer is going to be. So mm. I do want you to tell me that. But, but, but first I'll, I'll answer, and it's, it's the energy. Okay. It's, it's 100% the energy. It's... I wouldn't even say it's the people because I'm performing for people. I'm, I'm chatting with people. There, there are real live human bodies on the other side of that. And just because they're virtual doesn't mean that they're not real. Mm. But there is not the same amount of energy. There's not the same amount of anticipation before the show. There's nothing that's like the three minutes before I go on and that feeling in my gut that I still get. Like, that I miss. Yeah. And when I 
first started doing the virtual shows, I remember the very first one. I was sweating at the end of it, mostly from nerves, mm-hmm. I think. But I'm, I remember hitting stop broadcasting or stop streaming. And when I hit that, I jumped up and down and pumped my fist in the air because <laughs> I was like, that was awesome. That felt so good. And I did it and I didn't screw it up and it worked. And then 20 minutes later, I shit you not, I was laying on the couch upstairs and I had the biggest like depression come over me. Ooh. And I was like, I don't know if that was good. Was that good? Are they going to be happy with that? That didn't, yeah. it doesn't feel like the way it normally feels. And none of the, none of the endorphins were there that are there from a live audience. Yeah. And it's, it's mm-hmm. just something magic when you get a whole bunch of people in one place together that happens. Yeah. So actually my guess on that, I guess on the base level, if I was just give a quick sentence, it would be human interaction. Mm-hmm. But on a deeper level, like you said, you're still interacting with people. So my assumption would be the feeling you get just being in a room with all these people right there. And they're there, you know, for you. You have their attention. And like you said, that whole time pre-show, I remember, you know, from years ago when I shot that show with you just sort of like watching you sort of get ready in the back get set like stoked up and just being able to go out there and sort of harness that energy and it's definitely you know it's definitely different when you're in person because it's it fills the room yeah and and what you saw was like a multi-purpose room Mm. imagine being in a theater where there's a curtain or you know what I mean it's it's just amplified that much more where um, the, the, the multi-purpose room shows are always a little bit more, um, they're, I, I don't want to say laid back. They're not laid back. They're the same energy. They're just, they're more casual in terms of like the way that I take the stage and the, and the lead up to it. I don't go and hide in another room. I literally just hang out in the back of the room beforehand and yeah. talk to people. And, yeah, there um, isn't really curtains or anything for you to th- yeah, there's be absolutely, backstage. There's yeah. no fourth wall. Uh, before, during, or after the show. There's absolutely just no fourth wall. It's, it's, I'm there in the room with the folks. And it's still exciting because there's music and yeah. there's, you know, the, the time that the show starts and everyone knows that the show is going to start at that time. And, yeah. and it's not even the attention. Like, I, my why of, of why I do this as I get older is less focused on the, the ego and the attention as it was when I, the first 10 years of it. Mm. And now it's more like, the craft and the art and the like I have an hour to make a really memorable cool experience for everyone here what's the most memorable experience I can give them in this hour and how do I craft that like how do I how do I make this moment the best it can be in an hour so that they are just like completely have an amazing time Exactly. Yeah. Whose whose hand am I gonna have to shove up this cloaca? You I, know? I uh, cloaca. Right? Look at you. He's busting out the terms. I, I gotta put one up for me right there. Thank Someone you. listening <laughs> is googling cloaca right now. Uh, so, I I do like that's a big part of it that people don't think about is every bit in the show has a person, mm-hmm. like an archetype, yeah, exactly. and it's that's changed over the years too based mm-hmm. on societal norms. Uh, so like. The chicken trick always used to be a girl and it was almost kind of a flirty bit. But then like the older I get, plus like I just got it kind of got gross. Like I didn't like that I, the idea that an audience was thinking that I was sort of being creepy yeah. by making a girl stick her hand up a rubber yeah. chicken's butt. 
So it's funnier with a guy now. I always use a guy, and it's a very yeah. particular type of guy that I use for it. Just like it's a every very broy guy who has I, bros next to him that are like, yeah, this fucking Chad. <laughs> you want you want someone who with guys in the audience that are their friends that will be rowdy and yeah, loud. Exactly. Yeah, frat that, guys. Frat guys. You can also go the other route and find someone who is um, not necessarily because the frat guys. The problem is they don't always emote. Mm. Uh, oh yeah. And and but if you find someone who does emote, someone who is very expressive with their Theater eyes kids. in the audience, they're going to be great on stage. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's kids. great that you can theater kids. <laughs> <laughs> if you find theater kids are always great. You run into the there is a a. a a uh, pitfall there with like them doing too much upstaging you me yeah (laughs) yeah but i like but i like that too because that gives me the ability to expose what they are doing to the audience which the audience loves and the theater kid loves so you know it's a very like um there's with a comedy show as casual as mine where it's not it's it's scripted but it's kind of also very off the cuff it that's the advantage is that like I can completely acknowledge it, acknowledge when there's an elephant in the room and, mm-hmm. and just be like, okay, enough with what you're doing right now. And that's part of my character is just sort of yeah. being a smart ass. You got to get those gamer kids. Because you bring a gamer kid up on stage, their friends are going to go batshit. It's true, but also I don't understand them. Yeah, no, neither do I. <laughs> neither do I. I don't speak that language. <laughs> uh, One thing I'm that- trying to learn. Real, real quick, a quick question. As a, I just thought of this, as a forty-two-year-old man, um, how does it feel uh, asking people what their major is? Like, still, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, like, at college, like, it's just when you meet people, like, in the tw- in your twenties or your nineteens yeah. or whatever, you're like, hey, what's it's, your major? I but know. then, like, it's, you're also like still doing that. It's you know, it's a great question actually, um, yeah. because when when we do it, especially when we're younger. It's another way of saying, like, what are you about? What are you exactly. into? What's yeah. your brain like? Because it really does say a lot about a person. You, we, we can make a ton of assumptions on someone if they say, oh, I'm a criminology major oh, or I'm an IT major. Those are two mm-hmm. very different things. Mm-hmm. I'm a nurse, yeah. nursing major. Very different thing than um, I'm in uh, history studies or English studies or whatever, you know. So, like, that's, it's, it's helpful to get those things, but it's also very uninteresting to the audience, I've found. Mm. Oh, yeah. And especially more so when there is an age gap and the audience thinks that I'm only asking to kill time. It's filler. Yeah. So, now I, I, tr- I, I find myself still asking it, but I really don't like the question. And I only will ask it if I feel like it's setting up a joke. Like, if they do something goofy and then I ask and then it sort of explains what they just did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is a there is a video of me asking a kid what his major is, and it was like forestry management. And so then I spent the whole time just making fun of the fact that that just means you go into the woods with your friends and smoke weed. That's all that <laughs> is. That's literally what that, what that major is. Hey, you're and, not and the whole bit became about that. And you know, there are much more interesting things to ask people, like uh, why did you decide to come to this college, mm. or what's your favorite thing about this college. Or what is your hometown famous for? Because those are the things that like yeah. people's eyes will light up, especially the last one about their hometown. I love that question because people's eyes will light up. Everyone's hometown has something, and it's usually something trivial and dumb, but it's big to them. But the audience is like a statue of 
you know, whatever. Like, you've got a Nicolas Cage statue, and that's what everyone, like, whatever <laughs> it might be. I don't know, you know, what your hometown has. Mine uh, has a few things, but it's the fictional home of the little giants in the Disney movie. Okay. Which is kind of fun. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know yeah, what, Richie? Let's, let's just clear the air. Richie, what's your hometown famous for? Uh, ooh, um... <sighs> My hometown is famous for, uh, oof, dude, Lakeville, Massachusetts. What are we? Uh, well, there's probably a lake. Yeah, actually, there no. Is. Lakeville, Massachusetts is famous <laughs> for having a pond. <laughs> oh, that's good. We have Assawamsett Pond, and that pond doesn't even supply the drinking water to our town. With a it name like Assawamsett, I hope it doesn't. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> dude. No, but yeah, so, uh. Yeah, we have basically we have lakes, but they're ponds. Is that what makes it famous? How about I don't you, think Alex? So. You, uh, <laughs> I stand so, corrected. Not not everyone has something they're they're <laughs> happy about. Get ready, get ready for this, Michael. So, um, my hometown is Sandy Hook, Connecticut. <laughs> so oh, it is what's famous. That all about? It's famous no, yeah, for a school we, we shooting. To, yeah, we don't yeah. need uh, that. That's it. <laughs> Horrible. So it's it's horrible. It's good that I can, I guess. Can you imagine me asking that on stage and that's oh what you say? Oh my god, I would shit. And then the, everyone my, I would just looks at their shoes. Dude, I real quick before I have one little point, unrelated before we get into our pod decks. But like with that, I will never forget like going into looking for colleges. You know that happened when I was a junior in high school. So like going and visiting colleges shortly after that, everyone's like, "Oh, where are you from?" And I'm like, "Ah." Um, and one person who's actually a, a good friend of mine was also from Connecticut. And I'm like, oh, you're from Connecticut. So, so am I. And she's like, oh, where are you from? And I'm like, Newtown. And she just like looked at me like, and I'm like, yep, there you go. So yeah. on that note, um, glad you didn't pull me up on stage. Although now I think a so, couple more years removed, while I could that probably would laugh have, at that. Yeah. It, while it would have been a, a tragic moment it's the kind of tragic moment that i think where people are able to like laugh about not at the tragedy of it but at, at how, the i almost the irony of it or well, like the at, situation at what a horrible situation i've put myself into on stage right like yeah. here i am oh, trying to shit. add some levity to the show yeah. and it backfires on me <laughs> and that's the type of thing would that would make a perfect clip to isolate on my like to throw up on the internet because uh i have a lot of things like that where i ask a question i don't get the answer i was expecting and that's the type of thing that that's the type of content that people would love is like, I got egg on my face Cause because then you're I, you're out of yeah. that zone. Yeah, I I think that's like I I do get every show on video. I shoot mm. 4K video of literally every show I do, and it's for the reason of like liability to cover my butt in case something stupid happens. Yeah, uh, or someone says something that happened that didn't happen or whatever. It's just it's for that. It's also for record. Like, if I say a line that's not in the show that gets a laugh then I can go back and be like because I never remember so I'm always like what I think of this one routine there was something I said that I don't normally say and it was good I can go back and watch it and figure it out but then it's also for good for clips like if I mm. find something that something weird happens in a show I can isolate it and that's one thing that I I kind of feel going through the audio for this show is like I'll remember things that happen you know as we're talking so usually edit them the day after but then like getting to go back and revisit a joke or like a segment that Richie and I have done like there was a whole time where we were doing this whole fake Italian accent thing giving people Italian names like Tony Provolone and shit like that and like going back to it the next day is like 
even funnier than doing it on the show. <laughs> so, like, just getting to go back and have every... And again, this is a podcast, so clearly we're recording, but getting to have everything recorded is something that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and it's just something that, I guess, I, I really appreciate. I'm sure Richie appreciates, too. Um, and so, real quick, before we get into the pod decks, one thing that you mentioned that really struck me was how you were saying it's not really for the self anymore. Like, it's not really for the ego. It's more for what the crowd's getting out of it. And so I'm a musician, and I haven't really played live much recently, but that made me think back to, like, all the recent times that I've played live. And, Richie, I would love to hear your perspective on this. Mm -hmm. You know, as you do a lot more or have done a lot more gigs than I have recently, you know, there was a time where it was like, oh, how am I going to play these songs or do shit on stage that makes me look cool or makes me feel like this way but then like towards the last couple shows it's almost like i don't think about this body or this brain and i'm thinking just like what is going to get the audience and the people watching the most hyped up mm-hmm. and once you sort of erase that like, don't completely erase your sense of self because clearly you have to still be present but once you don't really take your ego into account and put out the energy more for just the people watching and the experience that they have, I felt like my performance just went up because it wasn't like I was doing things for me in the way I wanted to do them. It was like, what can I do that's going to get these people just riled up? Yeah, and it's, it's, I think that's it's super awesome. cool. It is. It's it's great. Um, I, you know, to be able to find that that middle road to walk mm. because I think like a lot of the synthesis of art comes from ego. You know, like when we yeah. decide what songs we're going to play, like who our character is, a lot of that comes from who we want to be, who like we want to portray ourselves as, mm. as to the world. Um, and so there, you can't completely take the ego out of it. But like when I'm on stage, uh, it feels different than it used to. Yeah. And when I receive applause, it feels different than it used to, which is really cool. That's it awesome. means more now. So, yeah, Richie, real quick, because I know... Michael, if you're not familiar with Richie's live performances, Richie's very interactive with just the audience, getting people in a good mood, cracking jokes, having fun. So, Richie, kind of like, what's your experience with that? Like, what goes through your mind, you know, when you're performing live and, like, doing, say, like, a show at the pub where it's, like, you might be surrounded by, you know, a bunch of your friends and family or just maybe some people you don't know? Like, what's it like inside of Richie's head doing oh, yeah. a show as Richie Oliver? So, I mean, what's usually inside my head is just, uh, what can I do to keep the crowd entertained as I'm flipping through my songs or going through my iPad to find the next cover to do? And I think that's kind of what came out of it was sort of like, I'll I'll start going, like, I I literally, like, started going like, hey, everyone, my name is Richie, I'm a Leo. And, (laughs) like, I legit start, like, spouting off, like, my zodiac signs, like, I'm a... I'm a, I'm a, was it? I'm a Pisces, I'm a Pisces moon Libra rising. And I would like, I would kind of like go into that and I, I would just find out people. There was one time this lady was just yelling at me and she keeps going, uh, do a fast one. And this is like middle of the second set. Like it's going to be slow for a bit yeah. because I'm also tiring and like, we're going to end with a bang. And I was like, Oh, you want a fast one? All right. And I, I pointed to her husband and I was like, you know what to do. And, <laughs> and legit, like, I won people. But it's that sort of just, I want people to just feel happy. Yeah. And uh, and if I am if I can do that, that's great. If not, okay. As long as I'm do you, doing something that I'm proud of. 
do you notice when there are people that you feel like kind of like in the uh, you know the almost famous analogy when they talk about finding the one person in the room who's not enjoying it do you notice that type of thing yeah I, I, I notice it every once in a while I think what's fun is I play a lot of like Grateful Dead and like Jerry Garcia stuff and mm. there was this one gig I was playing um, at this pizza bar restaurant and the guy and there was like just and not a lot of people and there was this buddies yep buddies yeah. pizza in Middleborough one guy in a uh, in a booth just going yeah Jerry and he just <laughs> screamed it and I was just like all right cool I got you yeah. like you're cool yeah. and then he's like do another Jerry and I was like all right this one's <laughs> for that guy but that's what I love and I, I mean I'd love to I mean I don't really see a lot of like the people it's usually like if I'm playing a place, I usually know like a lot of the workers there, or I know mm, yeah. the bartender stuff. So I'm legit like looking at them. I always find a, I always try to find a familiar face mm. to kind of focus in on, mm-hmm. uh, which is not uh, which is a not a good trait to have because you should always be expanding horizons and everything. But like uh, yeah, that's kind of like what I focus on. So like there was this one time where I was playing at Boston Tavern. And I knew the bartender. And so I was just looking at her the whole show. <laughs> and everyone was like, are you singing to her? Like, what is uh, going on? That's funny. And I was like, she's my friend. I know who she is. Yeah. I don't know who anyone else. Richie, I, one yeah. thing I that... Do... Oh, no, please, Michael, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I do... Um, I pick out like a dozen people throughout the show to mm-hmm. keep coming back to with eye contact. Yeah. Um, and it's the people who are giving it back to me. And like it's it's almost like you know if you were a lecturer, it's kind of like going to the person who nods their head when you're making a point. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's going to those people, and I make I, I make eye contact with those people, but I also will sometimes in a couple points hit really hard eye contact with the people who are not engaging. Yeah. Um, and and I do it. I don't know why. I think it might be just like a game for me. It's mm-hmm. kind of fun to like you aren't digging the show as much as the person sitting next to you but i'm just gonna like deliver this line straight into your eyes yeah (laughs) and and i i I think like you know and it's not like i'm not doing it to the point where i'm making i'm trying to make them uncomfortable but i'm trying to connect so hard like i really want to connect so richie one thing this is I, i remember doing this at the pub when richie would be playing a song i would just text him a joke or something or some stupid line Knowing that when he was flipping through his thing, he'd check his phone and then go, oh, yeah, blank, blank, blank. Thanks, Weber. And, like, he would make a joke out of it. And I'm like, yeah. this is fucking awesome. This is fun. It's, <laughs> it's the exact same as going on a live stream and making a comment, waiting for them to read your comment. Yeah, yeah. No, I've definitely oh done that Oh, my God, before. yes. <laughs> people love that, right? Yeah. Like, that's that's why a lot of people go on live stream. I, and I found a um, – it was like a Facebook memory or whatever – and then it was, and it was me, you know, writing a fake conversation. It was like, well, how did you get your big break? And then the guy was like, well, I made a comment on so and so's live stream, and then everything just took off from there. <laughs> that's oh my god, that's too real. I uh, I sometimes play uh, improv games with uh, an improv group called Not Safe for Earth, uh, like a New Bedford-based group, and they use Streamyard, which is fun. And if someone mm-hmm. like leaves like a really funny comment, about you can just show the one. It yeah, pops up. what you can do is they actually have it like as like a ticker on yeah, the bottom. Yeah, it's great. And they can show it, which I thought was really cool. And then that's like another cool way to just acknowledge people oh, yeah. who are engaging I, with you and stuff like that. Yeah, I, in my show I bring up comments uh, on the screen, yep. but I don't have StreamYard. And as far as I have found, StreamYard is the only platform that allows you to do single comments like that 
I've been looking for a way to do it without having to purchase. I don't need StreamYard for literally anything else. Um, yeah. But but I do like that that feature. And mm-hmm. um, but I do as much as I can. I try to actually uh, read people's comments because otherwise, why is this even live? Yeah, if, true. If I'm not yeah. interacting with them, like why not? Why why don't they just go and watch Netflix? <laughs> exactly. And yeah, that All was right. something when Richie, when you guys did the the last improv show. Which, it was funny because I was watching this show that Richie was a part of. I actually got to participate in this show. I was at Richie's house like 20 feet away. Yeah, he was in, in another room. room. <laughs> but that was really cool and I've never seen that where they were, again, able, they were able to <coughs> pin these comments up. And it was great because it was like, oh, hey, everyone watching, here's where your attention should be and here's what we're going to joke about. And that was really yeah. cool because I've never us. seen that. Yeah, yeah StreamYard, great. give us a sponsor. Um, yeah. So <laughs> with right, with Quack. that, Richie, let's isn't their logo a duck? Okay. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't know their logo. So yeah, let's kick into these pod decks. Uh, these are just some some randomly shuffled question prompts, and we just run with it. Perfect. All right. So this is an open question. What is something that people are obsessed with, but you just don't get the point of? Uh, baby Yoda. Okay. Yeah. I just don't yeah. get it. I don't get it. It seems to be pandering. It seems to be merchandise pandering. And it it reminds me of how I felt when the movie Avatar came out. And I refused to watch it because everyone was throwing such a big deal about it. I did the same thing with Game of Thrones, though. And I eventually loved Game of Thrones, and, and or most of Game of Thrones. And, and But Baby Yoda is the one where I actually get, I feel anger about yeah. it because it made <laughs> me not that baby. it made me stop liking the mandalorian like because i thought the yeah, mandalorian really? was fun yeah. it was a fun little like yeah. episodic you know show to watch and i like shows that are like that where it feels like every episode is a new story so you don't really have to be yeah. involved in remembering what happened last week and mm-hmm. I, that was fun but the baby yoda thing i was like it was like they did a focus group that said uh what was your favorite Star Wars character? And everyone was like, I remember Yoda. And they're like, oh, it has to be something about Yoda. How do we make Yoda cute? Well, people love puppies. Yeah, that's so dumb. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's a great point, because, like, I was really late to watching The Mandalorian. And so I saw all the Baby Yoda shit way before it. And I was like, (laughs) this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And then I watched The Mandalorian, and I loved that show. I just, yeah. it was a great show. And I'm like, okay, Baby Yoda's cool because he's got some cool, you know, parts in the show. But I'm like, I still don't get it. You know? Yeah, that's it's, not what the show is about. Overhyped. And that's what you think. Everyone thinks, Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda. I'm like, he's just kind of a support. He's kind of just there. Like, there's so much other interesting things happening yeah. in the show. And, and what's interesting is, like, when I express this opinion on Facebook, I get hate for it i mean people really yeah, like people yeah want me to love baby yoda it. right mm-hmm. just like i don't i don't get it but i think my my thing that i just i can't get behind is and this has sort of changed over time but i've always been very particular with it um a lot of tropes that are present in vlogging on youtube either like the editing the music um Something about it, you see it so many times where it's just like, I get it. Like, I've been watching a lot of, I follow a lot of photographers on YouTube and they do vlogs. And, like, it has the same kind of music. 
It's got the same kind of intro style, same kind of editing, and like maybe that's just not the way that I would do it, and so that's why I'm kind of like, eh. But you see it so many, so many times, and it's like, guys, it's the same formula. And so that's like kind of my thing where it's like, these kids these days and their vlogs, but like I do love a lot of, you know, people who do vlogs, but just like the format of it is just some, not something that I can always get behind. Yeah. Because it's become such a A, B, C, D format that there's almost not really any personality to it. Or if there is some personality, that's, there's that's still the underlying thing. on these platforms is like one person becomes extremely popular and then the next person says, well, they have figured out this formula, yeah. so I don't have to do the legwork. I'm going to copy their style and that becomes the style. Like, and then, and then it becomes this sort of false common knowledge or this false best practices of like, this is what works and nothing else works. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I've been proven wrong so many times because I'll repeat, I said it to my friend today. I have a friend who is, um, he does very well on both YouTube and Twitch. And I was complaining to him that no one is able to build an audience on Twitch. You have to build your audience somewhere else and bring them over to Twitch. And he flat out told me I was wrong and he knows way better than I do. But the only reason I believed that is because that was the prevailing wisdom uh, from videos I had watched. Guess where? YouTube. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, I, I, I think that there's a lack of originality because everyone wants to succeed and they see other people succeeding and they assimilate. Totally agree. Richie, what about you? What's your what's your thing? Uh, Jeff Dunham. I don't get how oh, people like dude, Jeff Dunham. Yeah. Uh, like that. Also, I was about to say, and I forgot that I was gonna say it. So I don't like Jeff Dunham. I don't like the Impractical Jokers. Dude, I, don't I cannot stand like, them. I, uh, the like, fake laughing. I can't. I can't deal. Like I got it. Like the first season. Like it was pretty funny. Like people are. Like they people are gonna be like fighting these people for making a joke at them and stuff yeah. like that. But then it's like we're going on tour and it's like <laughs> what you know what you do. And you people know, know their names. Yeah. People know their names. Their household names now. So now they can't just keep doing the show anymore. Because yeah. now too many people know them. No, it's like, like impractical they, jokers improv. It's right. Like, exactly. You, you just keep adding on. Have you seen what they do on tour? They no. legit they have a roundtable discussion about funny things that happened on the show. And then show clips of like, it probably. Possibly, but I'm like, just watch the fucking show. Yeah, yeah. I don't get it either. I have both of those things that that you named. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't understand Jeff Dunham. Um, yeah, and it's not that I don't understand ventriloquism because I've seen some really funny ventriloquists. Yeah. It's just I, the I, act I, itself. Well, it's not only is it a really cool skill. I mean, like, yeah, once you get past the skill, it's a really interesting writing. There's no there's no writing anywhere like there is for a ventriloquist. Oh, act. absolutely. Yeah. Because you're writing two parts for yourself, and it's two completely different voices that you have to then perform both of the sides. Uh, it's it's intensely difficult, and I think that it probably is underappreciated. But then, like yep. the end result, still seems so. There's something about it that seems so juvenile. Because it's essentially like it feels like a puppet show, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like it's got to be some of the hardest work, yeah. but I feel like they don't get credit. Uh, and and Jeff Dunham is the Larry the Cable guy of of puppet ding, shows. Ding 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 right there. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, you got it on the nose. <laughs> 
We should isolate that clip, uh, and maybe that's the name of the episode. Jeff Dunham is the Larry the Cable Guy of puppet shows. I will keep that in mind for when I when I publish this one. And dude, like with Jeff Dunham, like my friend, I'll never forget. My friend showed me Jeff Dunham on the bus to school in like sixth grade. So it was yeah. funny when I was in sixth grade, and now yeah. I'm just like, dude. And the funny you can't thing keep is, doing Alex, this this terrorist thing that's what i'm saying it was racist then yeah (laughs) it was so racist then but nobody cared and now it's racist and a lot of people still don't care which is which is nuts he had a mexican jalapeno on a stick i remember this yeah like yeah his name was jose jalapeno like that's worse than trader jose's like what's going on that's I, i don't know what that reference is but i I I think that like uh, it's the same as Larry the Cable Guy. It's a guy that like this guy says the type of things that my buddies say. Yeah, yeah. He's not afraid to say it like it is, which is a horrible sentiment. (laughs) Not a not a good look. Yeah. (laughs) So Richie, what's our next what's our next card, my friend? What's the funniest thing you've seen a kid do? Ooh, I know this one instantly. Go for it. Yeah, hit me with it. Good friend of mine. His name is Jonathan Burns. He's a he's a um, comedian. Flexible comedy. Flexible comedy. Yes, yeah. I love Jonathan Burns. He's yeah. a comedian. Uh, he does magic. He is a contortionist of sorts and um, really funny guy. And he and I were performing in Burbank, California, at uh, a club called Flappers Comedy Club, and we were performing the Sunday show. Which, if you perform on Sunday night. You have to perform on Sunday during the day. They call it two milk minimum, and it's a show for kids. <laughs> and fun. yeah, like it's fun. They they literally like they fill the they fill the, the the main room with kids and their parents, and the parents sit in the back, and the kids sit in the front. I am not a kids performer. I'm not a kids entertainer. Yeah. I can perform for kids. Like I can talk to kids. I can. I'm just. I can't deal with an audience of kids very well because I'm not very practiced in that. And. I'm doing my act and there's like literally kids wrapping themselves around the microphone stand and I don't know how to handle that. And I just did horrible. I just remember it was a horrible performance. And I'm in the back of the room uh, running a camera for Jonathan's act. And he does a bit where he's fitting himself through a toilet seat and he puts his head and one arm and shoulder through the toilet seat and he flaps his arm as he runs around the room screaming, ah! Yeah. And the kids love this because mm-hmm. he's running around them and he's screaming and there's a toilet seat. And it's funny. And he runs around ah, and the kids are. Ah. And then as he's coming on stage, it gets a quiet point And there's a little kid, maybe like five years old, that yells, ah, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was amazing uh, because. It wasn't more laughter after it. It was like shock and awe. Like it was, it was horrified parents. Like, oh, whose parent is that? And they're sort of, you know, it's Burbank, and they're all like fancy, and they're looking at each other like, whose kid yeah. is that? They were horrified. And he's got this on video. And I've always told him that he needs to put this video out. This was like eight years ago, and he won't do it because he feels like, you know, he want, he doesn't want that to yeah. embarrass that kid or the kid's parents. But which I understand. But it, funniest thing I've ever seen a kid do. That is a fantastic story. So. Mine is weird because I was really pissed off about it at the time, but situationally now it's hilarious. So, back when I was a nice young Christian boy, (laughs) I used to volunteer at my town's, like, vacation Bible schools over the summer. 
you know, get those mandatory volunteer hours that you had to do when you were younger. And so I'll never forget, it was like the, su- the summer between maybe 6th and 7th grade, or maybe another year. Who really, who really cares? It's all semantics at this point. But so I was just, you know, hanging outside, overseeing these kids as they're doing their recess thing. And this kid comes up to me like, hey, man, what's going on? This kid just lays a punch straight into my balls <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> for no reason. He just runs up and boom. Awesome. And I to was like, kid. I want to backhand you to the flagpole, which is like two miles away. <laughs> but now I'm just like, that's hilarious. Like, like, hey, hey, Bryce, what's going on? Just boom. Right. In. He's perfect height, too. He had just a straight right. shot. That was like yeah, a the world Mike, is just Mike, balls to punch in his world. Mike Tyson punch. Yeah. And I was pissed <laughs> off about it for a long time. But now thinking about it, I'm like, yo, that's really just that's just a funny time. Like it's great at the expense of myself. But just what are the chances of that happening and why? I really I still don't know. But I laugh about it now. So that's that's a, that's a positive. That's fantastic. Yeah, I have a funny story. I was uh, I was overseeing a class uh, for one of my friends. It was like a like kind of like a daycare class, and I was just basically watching the kids. And these kids were all playing superheroes. So, and I decided to turn into a game. Like, let's have kid, let's have the kids like create their own superhero mm-hmm. and do this. And everybody was doing great. Like, we had your Batman's and Superman's. We were like, I want to be like Superman. I was like, all right, all the Superman's over here, all the Batman's over here. And this one kid was like, I'm the atomic spit, and he had <laughs> to have been like. A year or two older than ever, he goes, I'm the atomic spit. I spit on stuff, and it dissolves. And what? And I'm like, please don't demonstrate. He goes, I want to. And he goes, guys, look. And he, I, I, what did he have? He had a hoodie that he tied into a cape, and it was flowing, and he would run around the room. And so he stopped. He goes, the atomic spit's here to go. And he legit put his finger down and pulled <gasps> Trig and just threw up. <laughs> Just full out. He goes, I'm the atomic spit. Oh, my God. And I was was just floored. I left, and I was like, can someone help me out? Oh, my God. Is this this kid for real? So that's clearly something he had done before. (laughs) Yeah. And the fact that he was able to do that on such a dime, that's impressive. It is. I have to work myself up for hours when I know that I have to throw up. Yeah, <laughs> if I have to, to make myself it. throw up, I have to really try for it. Not yeah. just be like, I'm the atomic spit, and then puke. It's like, all right, I have to go through like five minutes of hating myself, <sighs> yeah. three minutes of psyching myself up, and then I do it. So <laughs> that kid, where is that pack? kid now? I want to know. Oh, God, I uh, wish WWE. I could tell you. Oh, my God, he just <laughs> runs out. He's, He's the new um, He comes out with the worms, and he throws up. <laughs> yeah. He has a punk band. That that would probably be the the most logical. Yeah, thing. he's like the new G.G. Allen, he's just the, the atomic new G. G. spit. It's <laughs> amazing. So Richie, yeah, hit us with one more card. It's it's. Oh, I got two. I All right, pulled. let's do let's do a rapid fire. All right. Two. Yeah, if you could look through one person's email without them knowing, whose email would you look through? Ooh. Okay. So the obvious and quick answer is Donald Trump. Yep, there it is. Uh, yeah. Just for the, like, I would expose the shit out of anything I found. <laughs> yeah. But the answer after yesterday is the email of whatever AI is controlling my my YouTube channel YouTube. that yeah. brought it down. I want to know, like, what the trigger was. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's my that's the answer that precedes Donald Trump just just for this week while it's like fresh on my mind. Yeah, you know, I uh, my immediate one was Trump as well, just because like not the fact that I want to see what the fuck's going on. I just want to see how he writes emails and if it is in line with how he speaks. You know, it's just full of like right wing email forwards. Yeah. Yeah. Infowords. 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 Actually, actually, I'm glad you said because Trump is just that's an easy that's an easy answer. I would love to go through the Gmail of fucking Alex Jones. Oh my god. It's probably (laughs) the most erratic thing ever. How do you think Ivanka is listed in his phone? In Donald Trump's phone? Uh, It's like sweetie or baby or something creepy. It's something real weird. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to shiver. Just, yeah, oh. uh, Richie, how about take us take us off this topic? What about you, Richie? All right, uh, oof. Um, I w- I would probably like want to take a look at like Steven Spielberg's email just to read like bunch of just shitty proposals for movies that like amateur filmmakers. Like, just him and George. Do a movie about this. Do a movie about this. The, him the and George that Lucas f- going back and forth. <laughs> the, the, oh yeah. yeah, the ones that he forwards to his friends. Like when they're bad enough <laughs> yeah. to forward to his friends. Exactly. Yeah, that's. I think that would be fun. That would be really or like, good. If Kubrick was alive, like just to see what his emails were, because people would just that's be like, good one. "The moons and Jupiter." Put that in the Shining, or like shit like that. Was like, he, he probably never had email, right? No, nah, that was before his time. I think. Yeah. When yeah, did Kubrick was... die? Uh, well, his last film was Eyes Wide Shut. So that was like was, ninety, like mid nineties. Yeah. So yeah, email would have been yeah. there, but early. He was—he oh, died yeah. in 1999, so he could have okay. had an email address. You yeah. never know. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Like it, would gov- it would be the U.S. government. We need to fake another landing. <laughs> Come with yeah. us. <laughs> I got right. you. I got you, fam. All right, Richie, hit us with this last pod deck. Final question: If you could have anything named after you, what would you want it to be? Ooh. I would pick a museum. A museum. I'm not sure what kind of museum. But I think that would be really cool. Like, if I was to get to the point in my life where people thought that it would be cool to name a museum after me, or if I could, like, help a museum out to the point where I could either donate art to them or help fund them to the point where they're like, all right, we're going to have either, even if it's just a wing, something that other people could enjoy um, and that I would be able to contribute to their continued enjoyment. I think that would be really cool and also kind of like very self-fulfilling and just a nice a nice way to have my name attached to something i like that i i think it would be really cool to have like a like a style of something like a style of comedy yeah you know like yeah. an improv there's like the armando diaz and there's like mm-hmm. you know the harold i don't know if harold was a person or if that's just a random name they pulled out of a hat i don't know the yeah, history the, yeah, of that but i know yeah exactly. so uh but like something like that like a style also like as a magician, there are a lot of moves that are named after magicians. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think while that would be cool, I, I don't see that as a thing like I would ever necessarily be interested in because most of those are just stolen moves from someone yeah. else that they just like, you know, they change yeah. the color of the cards and now it's mine. But I think honestly what would mean the most to me is like there's this Chinese restaurant that I go to at least once a week and it'd be cool if they named one of their meals after me. That would be cool. Ooh, I was. I like that actually, mm-hmm. having like yeah. a signature sandwich or a signature meal. That is exactly like, what I was gonna say. I'd love yeah. to have like a signature that, sandwich or a burger named after me. Yeah, yeah, it would mean more, right? Like the other stuff is maybe yeah. more important at like for your legacy and all that shit that like you really know it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's Bucket more sandwich. like 
yeah, it's, it's something you can enjoy now and like tell yeah, people, right. hey, go tell them I want the Richie Oliver, you know, like and they'll go oh, yeah. that to you. And then they know so exactly great. what you want. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Let me get a Richie Oliver, and they'd be like, "Perfect. You want you want fries with that Richie Oliver?" Yeah. They'd be like, "I don't know why you're ordering a burger and fries. We're in Mexico." <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just some like random like piece of shit sandwich stand in like Montreal, like yeah. just a little tiny place that people are like that is visited by like three people a year. We're like Richie. I went to that place. <laughs> the sandwich was horrible. Horrible. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, but it was such named after me. <laughs> such is life. So, what do you what do you expect? I'm Richie Oliver. What do you <laughs> so with what that, about you, Richie? Oh, that exact yeah. That's what I said. Like a sandwich or like a burger, yeah. something like that. Like, ah oh, man, the Richie burger would be awesome. It would be a burger patty. Yeah. And that it would be kind of a breakfast burger. I think I talked about this. Yeah. And you it would did. be it would be um, a small cut of. Portuguese linguiça, butterfly down the middle, and fried, so you have that wonderful little bit of sausage. Then a nice fried egg on top, Ooh. over medium, so it just kind of You get that oozes, little bit of gelatin. Uh, applewood smoked bacon, so you got to get the classy shit. Oh, yeah. And maple syrup. Oh, yeah, that goes good with the yeah, bacon. Yeah. But then yeah. on top of the bun, uh, or the bread, then, there's a toothpick yeah. with an olive as an homage to your name. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, there's an olive, and then it's served with a non-nicotine vape, and uh, <laughs> a zero-nicotine vape, and, uh, and uh, like, five people who are just say, like, we're acquaintances of Richie, and somehow we know him. <laughs> like, that's, that's going to be... Richie, real quick, what kind, yeah. of, uh, what kind of bun is this burger going on? I got to know. Oh, it's got to be ciabatta. What are you talking okay. about? Yeah, ciabatta. Got to cool. be ciabatta. Got to be ciabatta, baby. So on that note, <laughs> this actually, this is exciting. So Michael Kent, this is on record our longest episode yet. Yeah. And I couldn't think of a better guest to have on for an hour and a half than you. I blame your bread break. I do also blame my bread break, but it's going to be great. It looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. The oven's preheating now. Well, I wish but... I could have somebody. And and I do appreciate you guys asking me to be on. This has been this has been a lot of fun and and you know, some of your listeners may have even seen my show if they're if when they were at Snoo and yeah, uh, that's kind of cool. Snoopy. So, hi to all of you uh Penman. Yes. Penman, yes. Yeah, we actually just uh interviewed last Wednesday we interviewed uh, my old boss from orientation, Colleen Lubin. Oh, Colleen, yeah. Colleen. Yes, so we interviewed her, too. I'm trying to get either Gavin or Megan Sage on at some point. Oh, uh, yeah. And just have them on. Um, but, yeah, so that was really fun also to have. Um, that'd be that'd yeah. be a lot of fun. Yeah. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the yeah. time out of your day, out of your schedule, to kind of just sit and talk with us weirdos uh, <laughs> from Massachusetts and Connecticut. And Hey, man, yeah. it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much again. Yeah, Michael. And can I just can I just ask people to go to my new YouTube channel because of course yes. yeah. where where can endeavor, they find you? <laughs> this is an endeavor that's literally two days old. Uh, yeah. So I had like I said, you know, almost four thousand subscribers. The YouTube channel uh, is gone, and I'm trying to build from scratch. And so I'm throwing a, a new content up and some of the old content. Uh, you can find it by going to my website, which is michaelkentlive.com, and then at the top right there are my social links and you can find the YouTube there. That's probably the easiest way to find all my stuff. And, uh, if you do say hello, say, Hey, I heard you on the socially distant podcast and we, you know, I enjoyed listening to it. And, uh, 
and I'd appreciate that. Well, everyone, you've heard it here first. We will post that info with the description. Michael, Richie already said it, but I want to say it again. Thank you so much for coming out, man, especially with the whole YouTube thing. I'm sure your head's all over the place with that, but it's been super great to talk to you. Again, I haven't seen you in a very hot minute, so it's been great to kind of reconnect. Welcome to the socially distant family. I say this all the time, but, you know, Richie and I can do one-on-one -on -one episodes as long as we want, and we get we get even weirder with those. <laughs> we, we absolutely love getting to bring in a third person and just get to talk with them, see where they're at, talk about what they do, and just get their perspective. So this has been a great episode. I, I got nothing else to say other than thank you so much. This has been great. Best of luck to you with your continued uh, your live streams and your practice. So, you know, thanks a lot. Everyone listening, go check out Michael Kent. The man is awesome. He's a great guy. Mm. He's super funny. Love his act. And then just like, again, base level human being, great guy. So <laughs> everyone, thanks. Michael Kent, we're here on Socially Distant. Before we go, I know we're stretching this time out, but... But I just gotta I gotta remind you to stay stay saucy. Okay. Stay a little bit salty. Not to the point where it like it affects your attitude, but like sometimes a little bit of a, a little salt kick is a good thing, you know? So let's keep it very aromatic. And with that, tie it all together. Spread it out all over this beautiful focaccia. I need you to stay socially. Oh fuck! I didn't think of anything. What's your What's your favorite tarot card? <laughs> I didn't think of it. I couldn't think of anything. You caught me off guard. My fucking flute's over there, dude. You can't do this to me again. <laughs>